I want us to go to the Lord in prayer together. And we're going to pray for uh, our neighbors. We're going to pray for our nation right now. But I also want us to pray for an unreached people group called the Daroga of India. 1,008,000 people with no evangelical believers among them, no known gospel witness there. And so as we gather and as we uh, daily have all of the riches of the gospel, we want to join our hearts in praying for the Daroga people of India. But join me as we also pray for, for our, our own neighbors that they might know the Lord Jesus Christ and this living hope that we're talking about uh, there in, uh, that Peter mentions in 1 Peter 1, um, that we might share that living hope even in these sometimes seemingly hopeless times and dark days uh, and also pray with me for our nation. So join our hearts uh, together now. Father, thank you that we can come this morning with a, a living hope that every day we can walk through even the darkest of times with our eyes set on eternity but with the certainty of your presence everlasting salvation right standing with almighty God today the ability to cry out Abba Father and to know that you are not only guarding our everlasting inheritance the text said but you are keeping us in and through all that we face in this life by the power of your spirit the spirit of the resurrected Christ. Lord, may we be people of hope and joy and peace. Father, today we pray for our neighbors that don't have this hope. And we pray that in the middle of these days that we would shine as lights and share that hope boldly with them. We pray for the Daroga of in India, that you would get the light of the gospel to them. And Father, we do pray for our nations. First, this morning, we pray for those who are patients, those who've contracted the coronavirus that are being treated right now. We pray for them. Uh, we lift up one uh, lady not far from here who uh, needs your healing touch. And, and Father, we also want to lift up and thank you for our health care providers. We pray for them, God, that, that you would strengthen them, that you'd protect them from this disease as they care for those that have this disease in these days and, and weeks ahead. Father, we pray for other service providers that are working uh, long hours and, and, and hard days to keep the supply chain moving. We pray, Father, for our nation's leadership at all levels as they work to mitigate this pandemic. And Father, we pray for all the nations of the world as uh, each and every one is dealing with this same situation at, in, at different levels and on different time frames. Father, we thank you that we can come to you, you who are our refuge, you who are the sovereign king over all things, and, and we can call you Father, and we can pour out our hearts about all these things to you. And so we just ask you, God, to intervene. Be merciful to us, God, we pray. Thank you for your grace and love in Christ, and may that be our ultimate hope, we pray in Jesus' name. We hope you'll join us in worship now as we sing. We're glad you joined us today and we're going to sing in Christ alone. We were talking at practice this morning that uh, we seem weak and uncertain in times like these, but uh, our God's power is perfected in weakness and that's an awesome place for us to be. Let's sing together.
Jason's going to lead us <coughs> in good, good father.
Father, we just make that our prayer. We don't know why, except your mercy and grace, that we would gain salvation through the Lord Jesus Christ. We don't deserve it. We never did anything to earn it, never could. But what we know with all of our heart, based on the truthfulness of your word in the gospel, is that Jesus has fully paid our ransom. And we've been fully redeemed, forever made completely righteous, seen as righteous as the Lord Jesus himself because of his perfect life, sin-atoning death, and victorious resurrection. How deep is our Father's love. We praise you today. We ask that you open our hearts to that reality more and more, even through the time of this message now, as we open your word together. We pray it in Christ's name. Amen. Amen. And Miss Megan, before I get started, I'm going to grab those uh, lyrics from that last song. I may refer to those a little bit later. So I took those off the back and didn't mess with anything else. I'm going to invite you to join me to turn, with turning in, by turning in your Bibles to Luke chapter 5. It's where we're going to be. Uh, we're going to be looking at Luke chapter 5 this morning, verses 17 to 26. And in Mark's account of the story that we'll be looking at together from Luke 5 in just a few minutes, the people respond to what Jesus does with this statement. We never saw anything like this. There in Mark chapter 2, he says the people's response to Jesus' miracle, as we'll see it in a minute, was we never saw anything like this. I don't know about you guys, I've heard and made that statement a lot in the last couple weeks. How about you? Control of our lives, the security of health and wealth that we usually are allowed to pretend we possess and have, have all by COVID-19 been exposed for the illusions they truly are. We never saw anything like this. This morning, my goal is to focus our hearts on Jesus so that we can say of Him in a totally different way, we never saw anything like this. And that we can go away from this time together into the coming week with our hearts full of hope and peace and joy in Him that cannot be quenched no matter what else we see come our way. We're going to be looking at Luke chapter 5, verses 17 to 26. I want to talk to you this morning about the most extraordinary thing. And the truth that, that I think, uh, the statement I think captures the truth of this passage is this. To know your sins are eternally forgiven so that you have peace with God and are declared righteous before him, listen, is the most extraordinary thing in all of life. Luke chapter 5, verse 17. 
It says, on one of those days, as he, speaking of Jesus, was teaching, Pharisees and teachers of the law were sitting there who had come from every village in Galilee and Judea and from Jerusalem. Mark chapter 2, verse 1, the parallel account tells us that Jesus is actually in Capernaum at this time. It says that when he returned to Capernaum after some days, it was reported that he was at home. That's interesting, just kind of a little aside there, isn't it? That Capernaum appears to have been the adulthood home of Jesus. Now, this crew that's gathered there was not there to cheer Jesus on, were they? But apparently Jesus' popularity had grown to the point where they felt their religious position and power were being threatened, so they better go check on Jesus and check him out and and somehow get control of this situation. The text goes on, and the power of the Lord was with him to heal. Now that probably meant these religious leaders that had gone there to get control over the deal were probably being pretty quiet. Think about it. All the religious leaders were probably pretty, pretty on the down low because Jesus was healing people. I mean, imagine it. It, it would be very clear to all, and there would be no way to, to, to deny it, when they watched him heal a blind man, or as we looked at last week, when, when they saw a leper's skin made whole. There's no denying it. And so to be sure, Jesus, not these religious leaders was the one actually in control. Verse 18 continues, And behold, some men were bringing on a bed a man who was paralyzed. And they were seeking to bring him in and lay him before Jesus, but finding no way to bring him in because of the crowd, (coughs) they went up on the roof and let him down with his bed through the tiles into the midst before Jesus. And when he saw their faith, He said, man, your sins are forgiven you. And the scribes and the Pharisees began to question, saying, who is this who speaks blasphemies? Who can forgive sins but God alone? When Jesus perceived their thoughts, he answered them, why do you question in your hearts? Which is easier to say, your sins are forgiven you, or to say, rise and walk? But that you may know that the Son of Man has authority on earth to forgive sins, he said to the the man who was paralyzed, I say to you, rise, pick up your bed, and go home. And immediately he rose up before them and picked up what he'd been lying on and went home glorifying God. And amazement seized them all, and they glorified God and were filled with awe, saying, we have seen extraordinary things today. Mark says, it was, some made the statement, we've never seen anything like this. Notice with me, first of all, from this text, we're thinking about the most extraordinary thing. We're talking about the reality here that that to know your sins are eternally forgiven so that you have peace with God and are declared righteous before him is the most extraordinary thing in life. Notice with me first of all in this text the greatest miracle. There in verse 20, I want you to see it. It says and when he saw their faith, that is the faith of the man on the bed and the faith of his friends that brought him, he said, "Man, your sins are forgiven you." The greatest miracle ever performed was the forgiveness of sins by Jesus Christ. You see, these four friends, it's interesting though, they didn't carry 
their paralyzed buddy, however far they had gone carrying his cot, and go all to, to all the trouble of, of climbing up the staircase to the roof of this Palestinian home and opening up the roof by removing either mud or some sort of uh, clay tiles from the roof and lowering this dude down through the roof on, with ropes. They did not, in, in the middle of this packed house, they didn't go to all of this trouble with the goal of him talking to Jesus about his sin, right? I mean, they brought him to Jesus because they heard Jesus could heal. They brought him to Jesus so that he could walk. There's no record in any of the gospel accounts of the friends or the man saying anything as he was lowered down in front of Jesus. And Really, there was no need. It was clear he couldn't walk. Jesus was teaching and healing. Everybody knew it. It would have been obvious to Jesus that, that Jesus that this man couldn't walk or perhaps, we don't know, par- if he was paralyzed all over, couldn't move at all. But in that moment, Jesus knew the greater need of his heart, this man's heart. He could see his heart, and he wanted the world to know exactly who he was so that anyone could come to him to have that need met. And that greatest need is to have our sins forgiven by God. Now, stay with me. If that is our greatest need, and it is, to have our sins forgiven, then Jesus' meeting of that need in this man's life was and is always in the life of every man, boy, woman, and girl who trusts him the greatest miracle of all. Amen? If the greatest need in life is to have our sins forgiven and Jesus takes care of that, that's the greatest miracle of all. The Bible says that God is perfectly holy and pure and good. Maybe you're not sure that this is actually the biggest deal in all of humanity, uh, in all of the life of humanity. The Bible says God is perfectly holy and pure and good and that we are completely unholy and morally filthy and sinful. Romans 3.23, in fact, says all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. All. There's no exceptions. Romans 3, earlier in the chapter in verse 10, says there's none righteous, no, not one. The text goes so far as to say no one of their own accord seeks God, it's all of our condition. We stand guilty before a holy God, sentenced to, to death and, and, and everlasting hell before a holy and just and righteous God. In fact, Romans 6.23 says it this way, for the wages of sin is death. And that's not just physical death and our bodies are buried and that's it. That's everlasting death and the judgment of God in a real place called hell. But in this moment, Jesus knew why he came to earth. To show us the love of God by living in perfect righteousness for us, by dying to satisfy that just wrath of God against our sins and to rise from the dead so that we can have our sins forgiven and know peace with God as our Father and overcome death and and live eternally in the perfection and glory of his immediate and personal presence. That's why Romans 6, 23 doesn't just say the wages of sin is death. It finishes, but the free gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. How does God pull that off? 
How is it that holy God, who has pronounced judgment on our sin, suddenly says, I'm going to give you the free gift of eternal life? Something doesn't make sense there, does it? How does he do it? Well, he does it by his own love, and as described in Romans 5, verse 8. But God shows his love for us in that while we were still sinners, and that means those under his judgment, Christ, his son, died for us. John 3.16 puts it this way, For God so loved the world. That can be translated from the original language there. For God in this way loved the world. In this manner he loved the world that he gave his only son that whoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. Very simply, God in his holiness pronounced judgment on all of humanity because of our sin. But then he said, I'm going to give you my son. This is my holiness. This is my justice. This is what is right I am holy, you are not, therefore sin must be punished. But I am going to give you my son to come be the perfection you could never earn in in, in keeping the law. And I'm going to send him to be your sin bearer and the atoning sacrifice for your sin. He's going to be your substitute. I love you enough to save you from my own judgment through the life, death, and resurrection of my own son. I'll tell you, that news never gets old to me. Every time I think about it, every time I speak the gospel that way and think about what God's done for us, it blows my mind. What grace, what mercy. That verse not only tells us how God accomplished our salvation for us, but it also tells us how we get it by believing and trusting in Jesus. In Romans 10, 9 and 10, Paul puts it this way, if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. It's real simple. For with the heart one believes and is justified, and with the mouth one confesses and is saved. Paul said the way we get this amazing grace from God, the way we experience the love of God that pardons us and sets us free and, 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 and rescues us from perishing forever under the judgment of God is confessing with our mouth that Jesus is Lord and believing with our inner heart that God raised him from the dead. In fact, Romans ten thirteen says, all who call on the name of the Lord, who really trust him, will be saved. That's a promise. Do you need the greatest miracle of all from Jesus today? Do you, sir, do you, ma'am, need the greatest miracle of all from Jesus today? You can have it. Will you call on him? Will you cry out to him? Will you admit your sin? Will you believe what God said about Jesus' life, death, and resurrection for you on your behalf And will you confess him to be the only hope, the only Savior, and your personal Lord and Savior? You see, to know your sins are eternally forgiven so that you have peace with God and are declared righteous before him is the most extraordinary thing in all of life. You know, even if God in his sovereign wisdom and all-wise providence doesn't choose to do lesser miracles concerning the circumstances of your life, Some are facing very difficult things today. He has promised that if you sincerely come to him and confess your sin and trust Jesus' saving work on the cross and in the resurrection, he will eternally heal your soul. I encourage you, come to him today. There is no eternal joy 
hope and peace in life apart from knowing all is well with your soul. And walking daily as a child with Jesus as your sure Savior so that you can call holy God, Abba, Father, literally, Daddy. That's the greatest miracle of all. Now, Jesus does another miracle here, doesn't he? Verse 21 says, And the scribes and Pharisees began to question after Jesus said, Your sins are forgiven. They began to question, saying, Who is this who speaks blasphemies? Who can forgive sins but God alone? By the way, they had that part right. You know, Jesus never corrects them. Only God can forgive sins. And that, in fact, is the exact point that he wants to be made. Verse 22, when Jesus perceived their thoughts, God incarnate, he he knew what they were thinking. He answered them, why do you question in your hearts, which is easier to, to say, your sins are forgiven you, or to say, rise and walk? Now, the answer to that rhetorical question is that it's easier to say your sins are forgiven you, right? That's an unseen and unprovable thing. How do we ever know if that transaction takes place? Nothing nothing outwardly happens or, or immediately changes, right? Anyone, in fact, could say it. I suppose we've said we forgave someone, and we really didn't, Freddie. I don't mean Freddie, but I mean me and Freddie. Jesus goes on to prove, though, that he wasn't just speaking words. Verse 24, he says, but, which is easier to say. I mean, yeah, you're right. It's easier to say your sins are forgiven. But that you may know that the Son of Man has authority on earth to forgive sins. He then turns to the man who was paralyzed and says, I say to you, rise. Pick up your bed and go home. And immediately he rose up before them. And he picked up what he'd been lying on. He went home glorifying God. And I just wonder what that looked like. I thought about it when I was preparing for this message. And then I thought, I'm going to be in front of this camera. And I don't know that I would do it even if everybody was here. But I mean, just imagine me running back and forth across the stage, jumping up and down, shouting and screaming and laughing. That's what he had to be doing. This guy was paralyzed, y'all, and suddenly he could walk. That shut the religious folks up, didn't it? A paralyzed man hopped up and walked home. You see, if Jesus can do that, and in that moment it couldn't be denied, they watched it happen, then he must truly be God incarnate. And therefore, solely and fully able to forgive the sin of everyone who will ever trust him. You see, to know your sins are eternally forgiven so that you have peace with God and are declared righteous before him is the most extraordinary thing in life. Jesus just heals this man's paralysis to prove his authority to forgive his sins. And by the way, that's the way it is. Sometimes we ooh and ah over the miracles of Jesus, and they are amazing. But sometimes we get it almost backwards, don't we? That we're we're more amazed by the fact he can heal a leper, it seems, in our hearts and minds, than we are the fact that he can forgive sin and that he has forgiven sin. All of the other miracles of Jesus serve to point men, women, boys, and girls, you and I, to this truth that he can perform the miracle of forgiving your sin and making you right with God. The greatest miracle of all. Now, 
If the forgiveness of sins by Jesus is the greatest miracle, and it is, then suddenly we realize that bringing people to Jesus to receive the greatest miracle from him is, notice with me secondly here, the greatest mission in life. We've seen the greatest miracle in all of life. Notice the greatest mission in all of life in verses 18 and 19. These guys didn't know they were going to be doing what they ended up doing, did they? And behold, some men, Mark 2, Mark 2, by the way, tells us there were four men. Makes sense. He's on a cot. He's paralyzed. It'd be kind of hard to carry him for two fellows to carry one guy. So four guys, one on each corner. They were bringing on a bed a man who was paralyzed, and they were seeking to bring him in and lay him before Jesus. But finding no way to bring him in because of the crowd, the house was full, they went up on the roof and let him down with his bed through the tiles into the midst before Jesus. You see, this man could not have gotten himself to Jesus. Are we all on the same page about this? He's paralyzed. That means he can't move. No way he could do it without their help. Almost always, God chooses to use people to bring people to Jesus. There's been a few unusual cases like that of the Apostle Paul, right? When Jesus came to Paul and as, as he was going to persecute the church, still called Saul of Tarsus, and he said, whoa, you're done. You're done persecuting me. In fact, you're fixing to be my number one missionary of all time. And Jesus appeared and saved Paul just like that, face to face. But normally, almost always, God chooses to use people to bring people to Jesus. How many of you in the room today, and there's only about six or eight of these guys here, but you know, here we go. How many of you would say, God used somebody to lead me to Jesus? Everybody just raised their hand. And you and I know that Jesus commanded us to bring people to him. We realize that this thing of bringing people to Jesus is the greatest mission in all of life because the great commission, we call it, is Matthew 28, 19, and 20. Go, therefore. What did he say for us to do? And make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. Jesus says, your mission... I'm leaving, I'm going back to the Father. Your mission, church, disciples and church to follow, your mission is to make disciples of all nations, to help people follow me from all over the globe, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Teach them to observe all that I've commanded. And behold, just know this, I'm going away bodily, but by my Spirit I'm always with you, even to the end of the age. For the last several weeks... Several of, you, several of you in our church have been reaching out. This is a real scenario going on right now through phone calls and text messages to a lonely, depressed alcoholic who desperately needs the peace that only Jesus can give. And I want you to know I'm praying with you for God to work powerfully and heal that individual's soul. But what you're doing of folks in our church, they are bringing people to Jesus. They are seeking to bring this person and, 
and, and, and in prayer, taking, taking this individual before the Father in prayer, laying him at the feet of Jesus in prayer, and they're trying to bring her uh, and, and all the way to Jesus that she might know him and see him for the Savior that he is. You know, if you know Jesus today, you can bring someone to Jesus. You can get them to a hearing of the gospel somehow, some way, amen? You can't save them. Jesus does the saving. These guys did nothing for this guy's soul. They did nothing for his body, but they carried him to the one who could heal. You can tell people about Jesus. Even if it's not directly, you can, you can even direct them to a podcast, to a live stream, to a book about Jesus, to the gospel of John. You can hand them a, a life book or a, a copy of the word of God, whatever. You can bring folks to Jesus. You can do this. You can accomplish the greatest mission in life as a follower of the Lord Jesus Christ. You can bring people to Jesus. Those four men, notice, were determined and creative. They, they got the job done, but notice a couple characteristics about them. They were determined and they were creative. They were absolutely determined to get their buddy to Jesus. But when they got to the house, it was standing room only. No problem. They say, we'll just go to the roof. We'll just, we'll just go up there and, and we'll open up the roof. And we'll lower him down from the top. He won't have a choice but to see our buddy because we're going to drop him down right on top of Jesus, basically. Say, what? Now, that's creative. That's getting somebody to Jesus however it takes. And you know what? It worked. Jesus took it from there. And that's all you've got to do. That's all i got to do is get somebody to Jesus. Get them to the truth of the gospel. And Jesus will take it from there. This morning, there's a family, a husband and wife and three kids. This is another real story happening right now today. They live in a nearby town, and their house burned this week. Can you imagine in the middle of all else that's going on, and their house burned? Thankfully, no one was hurt. We praise God for that. One of those parents in that family never goes to church with the rest of the family, but this morning, they are going over to a friend of mine's house to watch their children's uh, their, excuse me, their church's live stream. First time this church will have, this family will have been to church in years. This one parent has just stayed distant. And yet God is at work even in these days. And God's using some, something as simple as, hey, y'all come over and watch church on the TV with us. My friends are just trying to bring them to Jesus. Do you have neighbors that don't and maybe won't go to church? I've got, I've, got, I've got one. Or it's just really hard to talk to about Jesus. You know what you can do? You can text them. You can do something as simple as texting the link for this, this recorded service we're having this morning. It's supposed to be a live stream, recorded service that we're having. You can, you can send them the link when it comes out. Say, hey, just thought you might want to check this out. You might bring that person to Jesus with a text message. Hello? They might just get curious and log on. And, and you can do that. You can do that. And we have so many creative ways today to bring people to Jesus. Listen, we have so many different ways to live out the greatest mission so people can experience the greatest miracle. That's what life's all about.
to live out the greatest mission, bringing people to Jesus so that people can experience the greatest miracle, his forgiveness of their sins. You see, to know your sins are eternally forgiven so that you have peace with God and are declared righteous before him is the most extraordinary thing in life. I love that song we sang at the end. I just just thought it was worth reading these lyrics again uh, as we close. As we think about the beautiful love of God and the forgiveness of sins, the greatest miracle of all. What an extraordinary thing it is. That's, that's That's the heart of this song. How deep the Father's love for us. How vast beyond all measure that He should give His only Son to make a wretch, that's me, His treasure. How great the pain of searing loss. The father turned his face away as wounds which mar the chosen one bring many sons to glory. What what an awful day that was as Jesus died and was forsaken by his father. Behold the man upon a cross, my sin upon his shoulders. Ashamed, I hear my mocking voice call out among the scoffers. It was my sin that held him there. Until it was accomplished, his dying breath has brought me life. I know that it is finished. I will not boast in anything, no gifts, no power, no wisdom. But I will boast in Jesus Christ, his death and resurrection. Why should I gain from his reward? I cannot give an answer. But this I know with all my heart. His wounds have paid my ransom. This I know with all my heart. He has done for me. He's performed for me the greatest miracle in all of history. The forgiveness of my sins. Through the life, death, and victorious resurrection of Jesus Christ. He can do it for you. And then church, we have the joy of living out the greatest mission on earth so people can experience that greatest miracle in life. Our job, just get them to Jesus by whatever means possible. Let's pray together. Father, how I pray for any who don't know you seeing this worship service and hearing this message today. I pray that today would be the day that you do the greatest miracle in all of life in their hearts. And I pray, God, that you would then fill them with a joy and a peace that cannot be snuffed out even when life is confusing and difficult tragic and and hard. And for us, your church, Father, in these days that are indeed all of those things, that we keep our eyes and our hearts fixed on the greatest miracle of all, that you have made us, who were your enemies, to be not just your friends, but your children. And you've forgiven us all of our sins and made us righteous as Jesus is in your sight. We have a living an eternal hope. May we not lose sight of it in these days so that we may, as your people, accomplish the greatest mission in life, and that is to bring others to this hope that surpasses all circumstances and even time itself. We pray it all in Christ's name. Amen. We're going to close our time, um, well almost, we're going to close our time with just a, uh, a, a worship time, a song here, and then I'm going to come back and share just a couple of announcements with you before we close out.
quick announcements. First and foremost, we are here to serve you. Your deacons and I will be glad to practically help those of you who are at high risk, uh, however we can, whether it be from a grocery run or a prescription pickup. Other folks in the church body have called me and said, hey, if you need help with those things, let us know. So if we can serve you, please reach out to me and, and let us know. We would, we would, it would be our, our, our privilege and pleasure. Second thing, thank you for your continued faithfulness to honor Christ with your financial offerings to him through um, the ministry of our local church here. You can give online. Just go to our website or the East LJ Baptist Church app, EEBC app, and click on giving. Or you can mail your offerings, and the address is on our website. Uh, if you just uh, look there on the, con- on the contact tab, same thing is true for the East LJ Baptist website as well. So thank you for that. Finally, if you do not receive our email or text message communications, announcements, and prayer requests that come from the church, uh, and you would like to receive those, especially during this time, could be pretty important just just by, by way of communication, then please call or text me at 706-273-8370. And I need three things when you call or text me. I need your name, your phone number, and your cell phone provider if you want the text messages or your email address if you want those. I need both if you want both kinds of messages. So please reach out and get hooked up on uh, our communication that has become a little more frequent uh, in these days, and and we will use that system uh, as the primary means of our communication. Also, consult our website uh, for, um, for other updates, eastlajbaptist.org. And I believe that's all we've got. Thank you so much, and thank you for uh, tuning in today. <laughs>